Well, good morning, everyone. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, if you're new with us, um, so grateful that you're here. Uh, I want to ask you to consider something. Uh, I want you to consider the importance of recognizing what drives you or what motivates you. And the, it's been something I've been learning the importance of in my own life. It's been something I've learning uh, about myself over the years. And I've been asking myself, like, why do I say this? Why do I do that? Why, why am I feeling this way? What's, what's driving this in, in my own life? And it's really important to recognize what motivates us. And, and today I want us to think about what motivates you to give generously. And there are some unhealthy motivations that drive people to give. And if you get your notes, go ahead and, and get your notes out because there are unhealthy motivations that drive people to give. And some people give for these reasons. They give to control God. They give to have a better lifestyle or to ensure that things go well for them. And the reality is, is you cannot give to keep trouble away or make life go your way. Giving with that motivation puts God in debt to us and God will be in debt to no one. It's like I'm going to say, I gave, now God owes me. Um, the other motivation is people give to achieve morality or people give to feel better about themselves. One author put this as moral therapeutic deism. <laughs> Brilliant description of this. And that's a lie, though. It's a lie that giving is a way to be right with God. It's a lie that giving is a way for you to go to heaven. It's a lie that giving is the way that you'll feel better about yourself. You may feel better about the self in the moment, but that feeling will be fleeting. See, it's unhealthy to give because you want to look good it's in, in, in front of God or in front of others. So what should motivate us to give? What should motivate us to be generous? Well, the motivation to what should motivate us to give should be the motivation for our entire life. And we're going to talk more about that today. My name is Casey. And if you're new with us in the room today, we are so grateful that you are here. Uh, and, and you picked an incredible day to be here today. And this is the reason why I say you picked an incredible day to be here today. You're going to see how uh, committed our church family is to Jesus. You're going to see how committed our church family is to each other. You're going to see how committed we are to the city. And you're going to see how in this commitment, I hope that this is inspiring and encouraging to you. And we just want you to observe today. Uh, on everyone's seat is a commitment card that represents the midpoint of this unshakable journey. And, and, and for our guests, we are in the middle of this. Uh, we're one year into this. And this commitment card is not for our guests. So if you're with us today and you saw that, it was like, what is this? This is not for you. This is for those of us who call Westside Family Church our home church. And later, I'm going to ask all of our church family to respond using this commitment card. Now, for those of you that are new with this, I want you to understand something here. It's last year... Uh, at about this time last year, close to 200 households within our church family uh, made this commitment to build an unshakable faith by placing Jesus first in, their, in our lives. And we made this commitment, and now we are at the midpoint of this unshakable initiative, where our primary goal is 100% of our church family to engage in building unshakable faith. We want to build an unshakable faith, and we that way we're going to do this, we're going to put Jesus first in our finances, because we believe putting Jesus first in our finances is the keystone habit that keeps Jesus first in every area of our lives. Now, our church family has been praying about today and this commitment. And today, many of us are actually not going to make a new commitment. Many of us are going to reaffirm a commitment that we made a year ago. 
And we're going to affirm and, and we're going to make this commitment that we're going to finish strong with what we made uh, that commitment last year. And we're going to keep Jesus first in our life and finish strong. And now, and some of us who uh, maybe you're new and maybe you've been new to West Side over the last year, uh, you've been joining us weekly and, and you could say, man, we are your church family. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to make your new commitment. After all, we want 100% of our church family engaging in their faith by making this commitment to put Jesus first in their in their lives. And then for others of us, this will be an opportunity God may be leading you or God has blessed you in a way that you're going to increase your commitment. Now, at the end of today's teaching, we're going to give everyone a moment uh, to reflect and give you a moment to bring your commitments forward. And after you place your commitment... Um, We're going to have you do this, and we're going to call you forward. We're going to take communion together. And um, for those of you that are guests with us, we're going to invite you to join us in communion. You don't have to. We don't expect you to bring a commitment card today, and we invite you to join in communion. So we're going to ask you to come, bring your commitment cards forward. You're going to put your commitment card in the basket and take your communion element. So we're going to ask you to do that in that order. So pick. You're going to put your uh, basket, the card in your basket, and then you're going to take the communion elements from the hosts that are here, and then you can return to your seat, and, and I'll give you further directions about that in, uh, in, in a moment. Now, for all of our guests that if you're with us in the room, um, we have a gift for you. Now, before I tell you that, you can put that commitment card aside. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll pick that up in a little bit. And for those of you that are new with us in the room, we do have a gift for you today. And we would love to give you that gift right after today's service. If you'll make your way through our lobby, uh, go into our welcome center there. A host will be there, and they'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. And now, Westside, would you help me uh, let everyone that's new with us in the room know how grateful we are to share this time with them? Will you do that with me? Also, I need to let you know that at the end of today's service, um, we have some cupcakes for you that one of our Westsiders generously made as a special treat. So make sure after today's service, you go back, see Miss Alicia and everyone. We want to make sure you get a, a cupcake today. Now, get your notes back out, and today we finish this series, and while it is the last day of this series, we're going to continue to build an unshakable faith. We're going to continue to be on this journey to release God's unshakable love as we build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth that's been the foundation for this series. Here's the truth that we've been looking at as our series big idea. God is generous, and he wants you to excel in the grace of giving. The Apostle Paul had written the longest discourse, the longest single discourse in the New Testament on generosity. There was an offering that the Apostle Paul, this first century apostle, was asking the Gentile churches to give in order to assist the uh, persecuted, famine-impoverished church in Jerusalem. But for Paul, this offering is so much more, uh, it's about so much more than to whom this offering was going and what this offering was going to do. See, this offering for Paul was more about the heart that the Corinthian church was giving from. That's why Paul challenged the Corinthians and he would write to the Corinthians and encourage them with what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, when we read this. But since you excel in everything... In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, in week one, we talked about this grace of giving being grace-based giving. We began uncovering the motivation by which we should give. 
And we talked about that grace-based giving is giving in response to everything that God has given you. Paul's wanting the Corinthians to excel in giving so they can glorify God, they can join in his work, and, and, and this is all because it's a response to what God has given them. And in this teaching that Paul gives, we've learned something. We've learned that grace-based giving is more about the heart we are giving from than it is the need we are giving to. It's about the motivation more than it is the need. And today we're going to get to the core motivation of grace-based giving. And I want you to listen as we dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7. I want you to listen to how Paul ends this challenge. It's a challenge to the Corinthian church to have a lifestyle of giving that's motivated by the right thing. Because you don't want your giving and your generosity to be motivated by the wrong thing. Paul says it's so important to check and know what the motivation of your giving is. And so in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 12, we, we read this. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you approved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Did you read that? Can I read that again? Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is one of the few times Paul uses an exclamation mark. And he uses this exclamation mark in thanking God for his indescribable gift in Christ Jesus. So as we look at this, we see that this offering is so much more. It's about so much more than the need. Our generosity, our generosity, your generosity, should be a confession of the gospel of Jesus. That's what our generosity, the generosity of the church is a confession of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And when your and my generosity is motivated by a gospel confession, generosity just doesn't fuel God's mission. Generosity becomes the mission. And this is why Christians everywhere this is why it should be a, a, in our DNA. This is why Christians have this lifestyle of giving. It's our response to the grace that we've received through Jesus Christ, which is the good news, the gospel. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the motivation of grace-based giving. Generosity is the confession of the gospel. And here in verses 12 through 15, Paul identifies that giving that is motivated by the gospel of Jesus will do three things. Three things that I want you to know that when, when your giving is motivated by the gospel, not motivated. Now, th this is not a motivation to control God. This is not a motivation to have a comfortable life. It's motivated by the right thing. It's motivated by the confession, your confession of the gospel of Jesus. It's not a motivation to have things go well for you. 
It's not a motivation that you can control God like he's a, he's a puppet on a strings and you can control him by what you give. No, this is a motivation of the gospel of Jesus, what it means to you. Not that it's one that you're going to achieve heaven or achieve morality. It's not one that you're going to look good in front of God or you're looking good in front of others. That's not the motivation. This is a motivation because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we are motivated by this, and when our giving is motivated by the gospel of Jesus and what God has gifted you through Jesus' perfect life, through his sacrificial suffering, his priceless suffering and death, and his powerful resurrection, Paul says three things are going to happen. And first Paul says this, that gospel-motivating giving will meet real needs. That when you give, motivated by the gospel of Jesus, it's going to meet real needs. This is why uh, what Paul identifies in verse 12. This is meeting the practical needs of the church family in Jerusalem. That's why he would write, this service you perform, this offering that you're going to give, is not, he says, it's not only meeting and supplying the needs of the Lord's people. He goes, so he identifies, it's meeting the needs of this impoverished church in Jerusalem, the mother church that had real needs because of the famine and persecution. And while this was written to Corinth, the Holy Spirit has inspired, inspired these words it, to, for Paul to write this to Corinth, and it has preserved these words for us today, and it's for us today too. This is why we need to meet real needs with the, what, what we've been given, and gospel-motivated giving generosity will meet new, real needs. And I want you to know something. This is why we as a church family have a benevolence bu- budget. It, we, we are wrapping God's family around those within our church family who are in financial crisis. And we also help people who are not in our church family by helping them in their, that are in true need. And we come alongside them. And this is also why on December 3rd, we're going to do something big as a church. We're going to have our celebration Sunday. And on December 3rd, we're going to celebrate uh, the, the, the commitments that we made today. And we're going to celebrate this. And we're going to also give our biggest offering of the year. This is why we want you to be praying over the next couple of weeks to what is God leading you to do? To, and we're going to give our biggest offering of the year on December 3rd. And here's what we're going to do with that. Because there are real needs in our community. We're, go, we're committing the first $50,000 of what we give on December 3rd to go to organizations in our community who are reaching the loss, they're, they're serving the last, or they're caring for the least. And this is $10,000 more than we gave last year. Because of the need in Leavenworth, we understand is big. And we want to partner with organizations that are doing these things. So we, I encourage you and I ask you to be praying about what God may be asking you to give as you are motivated, not by any other thing than what the gospel of Jesus is. And let this be a confession of what Jesus has done for you. And this will meet real needs. It will meet real needs. And your gospel-motivated giving will meet the real needs of people in our community. And one of our kingdom advancements uh, and objectives is, is to not just meet needs here, but we're also meeting needs globally as well. And we, it, we partner with two organizations overseas, one in Uganda, one in South Africa, in, in meeting the physical hunger needs of orphan kids or practically orphan kids. But we also elevate this to a level when we give overseas. It's not just about physical needs. We want to help meet spirit, physical needs so we can meet their spiritual needs. And so we invest in church planting that cares for practically orphan kids. And your gospel-motivated generosity 
to Westside and, and to Unshakable is meeting the needs of practically orphaned kids in Uganda. They have food gardens that they prepare and, and they cultivate and you help buy equipment and buy the, the, the needs for them to maintain those gardens to feed the impoverished kids there. And you are also supporting their efforts to build leaders that bec- the, these leaders are becoming church planters. And they do this in Uganda through Bethel Ministries and Pastor Gerald M. Belair's and his family's ministry there. It's amazing what God is doing over there. We also give to serve the needs of practically orphaned children in Wells Estate, which is a township in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. And your generosity is empowering a network of church planting that is also caring for the practical needs of the community and the villages in the Eastern Cape. And right now, there are over 400 house churches representing 4,000 people that have been part of what God has been doing as part of our generosity. See, it's meeting real needs and it's meeting the spiritual needs of the most desperate need that people have in their relationship with God. And we're able to connect people with... uh, with, with, with that with, with that. Another thing we're doing is your gospel motivated generosity is meeting the emotional needs of our church family as we are launching a family care center. We're able to connect people with the gospel with the gospel centered counselor and we are still moving forward with hiring a full-time counselor that can be here and we can serve more people and we can build out more ministries. And we're working hard on that. And, and we're also about ready to launch a new care group. Right now we have uh, our Celebrate Recovery has been doing a, cre- a great thing. We just had ce- uh, Surviving the Holidays last Sunday. And on January 22nd, we're going to launch a new care group for grief. And we're going to have Grief Share hosted here at our church family. This group will be a place for those who are struggling with loss and grieving loss. See, our gospel motivation is meeting real needs. It's meeting emotional needs. It's meeting practical needs. And next, God will, so the next thing that Paul says gospel-motivated giving will do is gospel-motivated giving will glorify God. When we give because of our gospel confession, people, it results in people turning to God. In verse 12, he says, This service is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. Do you see how our gospel confession is connected to our generosity and it's connected to them praising and glorifying God. See, giving to a need is good, but too often we think that meeting tangible needs is the whole mission. This is not the whole mission of the church. This is only part of the mission. God has given us a spiritual mission. We then glorify God when we advance God's kingdom by sharing the gospel of Jesus. Not just in deed, but deed that will lead to our opportunity to share the good news by word. And we give because we our deeper hope, our deeper hope is that the person will turn to Jesus, put their faith in him, and have their most desperate need met by the gospel of Jesus. This is what truly glorifies God. 
when people turn their hearts toward him, receive Jesus as their Savior, and follow him as their Lord. That is what truly glorifies God. See, our motivation is not to give in order to get something from God. Our motivation is to give in a way that we see the gospel do for others what the gospel has done for us. That's why we give. We want the gospel to do for other people what the gospel has done for us, redeemed us, restored us, renewed us, and and placed us back into the family of God. See, when we radically give from this gospel motivation, people may not understand it, but they will be thankful for it. People will pray to God and they may say things like, man, thank God for what they did. Have you ever seen someone, maybe in your own life, maybe think about this, have you ever seen somebody in your life do something so generous and, and you saw it, they know that nobody else saw it, but you just saw it, and have you ever just see someone and maybe, maybe help somebody at a grocery store or do something generous in your neighborhood or do something in your life group for somebody else, and all of a sudden you think, man, thank God for what they just did on their behalf. You gave praise to God for their generosity. And people around when we don't even know it, when they see the church living this lifestyle of generosity, people will praise God for your obedience of generosity that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the role of the church, to confess Jesus as our Savior and to confess Him as our Lord. Our generosity is a confession that Jesus is our Savior. And our generosity is a confession that Jesus is our Lord. And He is first in our lives. The Apostle Peter. See, the Apostle Peter made a confession that we need to realize is so important to the church. He made a confession that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus would reply to Peter's confession... And it said, on this confession, on this rock, which is the confession that you just made about the truth of who I am, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, on this truth that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, on this confession that you just made this truth, I'm going to build the church that death can't stop. This is something we need to realize. Think about this. Every other institution, every other organization, every other thing is going to dissolve. It's going to be uh, destroyed or dis- de- they're going to be, it's just going, it's going to be not more anymore. Except the church. See, no government is going to last forever. No, no business will prevail. No not-for-profit will prevail. Only Jesus' church remains as the one who prevails. See, the church is unshakable because we have received the gospel of the unshakable kingdom of God. And it's built on Jesus, the solid rock. See, war is not going to stop the church. Persecution won't stop the church. Poverty won't stop the church. Pain, whatever it is, relational, physical, emotional, it cannot stop the church. And death itself won't stop the church. 
See, this is the blessing. This is the blessing of being a part of the kingdom of God. It is unstoppable. It is unshakable. And God will be glorified through His church that is established on the truth of Jesus Christ. This is why what Paul is saying here. Paul's saying, blessed are those who don't make giving about themselves. Blessed are those who are given because they know that glory belongs to God. Glory belongs to Christ Jesus. And when we live in this level, we, when we realize that glory only belongs to God, it belongs to no other institution, it doesn't belong to a, a, a building, it doesn't belong to a people, it belongs only to God. And when we live, with this level of surrender, when we live with this level of faith, you and I glorify God. See, gospel-motivated giving will meet real needs. And gospel-motivated giving will glorify God. And last, gospel-motivated giving will promote unity with all Christians. Paul tells the Corinthians that the hearts of the Jerusalem church will go out to the Gentiles, you Gentiles, which is the Corinthians. And he says they will pray to God for you. They'll give thanks to God for you. Why? Because of how you gave. See, it's not coming from a place of guilt. It's not coming from a place of shame or even a place of obligation. I got to do this. No, 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 no. It's coming from a gospel motivation. It's clearly not out of pity. I feel sorry for you, so I have to give to you. No, it's not coming out of moral therapy. It's going to make me feel better about myself or it's going to make me look better about myself. It's not image management. It's coming from a deep, deep place from the same grace that we've received when we received the gospel of Jesus and made new by the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul would write. He would say, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because, look at this, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. The surpassing grace God has given us is what unites us. This is why we share in a lifestyle of giving. This is why one of the things about the church that needs to be something that unites us all together is we give. And it's not about equal amount, it's equal effort. This is why 100%, this is the goal of one, our church family in, in this initiative, is 100% of us devoted, putting Jesus first in our life. And, and it's about His kingdom, advancing His kingdom. It's not about Westside Family Church, it's not about our church looking good, it's about Jesus' church. It's God's kingdom family. This is what it's about. It's about Him, glorifying Him. It's all pointed to Him. That's why we do it. It's not about us, it's, it's about Jesus. And this is why we, as a church family, financially support a radical collaboration of multiple churches from multiple denominations here in Leavenworth County that we call United as one. This is why this past month we joined together and uh, seven to eight churches participated together and we made sure every faculty member of the, UNED, uh, the USD 453 Leavenworth School District got a thank you card. And we made sure that we helped fund make, printing these special thank you cards. This is why we do it because it's not about us. It's about Jesus being glorified and the church uniting together. 
And, and this is why we joined together to serve lunches. And, and these churches came together and we served lunches. And, and our church had, took a, a, a big commitment. And we served lunch at three. We financially helped make that possible at, at three different schools. We knew this because this is about the church uniting together and confessing our, what God has done for us through our generosity. And we did that on November 1st. Now, can I tell you something? I can't tell you how many teachers have told me, thank you, thank you. Man, thank God for you, thank God for you, thank God for you, thank God for you, thank God for you. It's glorifying God. And just a side note, a second round of cards, because of how many cards we were able to fill out, a second round of cards is going to go to our intermediate, uh, or our middle school, or Henry Leavenworth campus in the next week. Because of that, we had enough cards to go around twice. It's beautiful, beautiful. See, we're going to continue to join forces with churches in Leavenworth County to do good deeds, to build goodwill, so that we can share the good news of Jesus. See, our gospel-motivated generosity will unite us together on Jesus' mission. And it's so important for the gospel to motivate our giving. In a racially, politically polarized world... This is what unites us. The motivation of the gospel of Jesus. And it unites us to give generously. See, when we give from a gospel-centered um, motivation to people who do not believe like us, they don't look like us, they might not even like us, or they may even stand against us, then our, the gospel is proclaimed through our giving. And when they ask you and I why you give, why did you do this? We can say it was because of what Jesus gave for us. This is the motivation by everything we should give. And for Paul, this offering from the Gentile church to the Jewish church is a sign of reconciliation. It's a sign of reconciliation that we have with each other because of what we have been reconciled to God through Christ's work. And our lifestyle of giving is all about Jesus. It's all about his gospel. And it's all about his mission. And here's the teaching big idea that I hope you leave with today. I hope it challenges you today. And I hope it maybe realigns you today. See, my lifestyle of giving and your lifestyle of giving, this is what I hope. I hope your lifestyle of giving is all about Jesus, his gospel, and his mission through his church. This is the motivation of our giving. It's gospel, it's response to the good news of what Jesus has done because God, of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. This is why Paul ends this teaching with thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Our lifestyle of giving is motivated by God's indescribable gift. It's all about Jesus his gospel and his mission through his church.